Welcome to FPL USA Press Play. We're excited to be here today after a disappointing Game Week 5. And here we have Brian, Bucks, and Black Wolf behind the microphones to break down all the action in the FPL game. And we are joined by a special guest from the FPL community at FPL Lens. Hopefully he can show some sunshine through the dark and stormy clouds that have really put a little bit of a damper on our weekend. So how are we doing? It's a party. It's your favorite manager on the East Coast Bucks. And let's give the proper red carpet rollout a welcome to Gabe at FPL Lens. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the podcast. That, that red carpet is bloodstained from the managers in game week five. So, so it's, it's nice to be here on this bloodstained Monday. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm really, uh, really excited to be here. And it's kind of fitting that it's a week like this week, I think. So we can just like uh, like uh, diamond dogs get together or something like that. Talk about the game week. Ain't that Good Lord? We all need it. We all need the uh, the pick me up this week, man. Tough times for FPL managers, but I think we're gonna discuss the ways to mentally deal with a tough game week and what some of our own personal tips are for those managers who, you know, might have had their weekends ruined. Let's not keep that weekend pushing into this week, and hopefully, we can. Find some good vibes here on the pod. Amen to that. All right. Let's give Gabe a proper press play welcome by asking you some icebreaker questions. Let's say, Gabe, introduce yourself to our FPL USA listener community. Tell them how you found the FPL game and also maybe plug some of the amazing work you're doing as part of the FPL community. Yeah, thanks. I'm Gabe. I'm FPL Lens on Twitter. I, I found FPL kind of by accident. I played for like, I don't know, like four seasons and I didn't even know there was an overall rank. I didn't know what any of the numbers meant. I didn't know anything. So I played for, for years without understanding that there was that anybody was being ranked at all. Those were the fun days. That, that, that was that was nice. Um, and then it all changed. Um, but but the, the nice thing that with that change, when everything got like not serious, but like competitive, I guess. I kind of found content as well. And and I feel like for me, the content has always kept me a little bit away from the competition, somewhere else to focus my attention instead of the, the results of the game week or the results of the season or anything like that. It's always like something fun to look at. So yeah, I've been doing content for a few years now and here we are. Same old grind. Yeah. And Gabe, you have your own podcast. So why don't you give that some glow up uh, while we're still in the intro phase. Yeah, right. So so I write I write a weekly thread. Um, there's a hashtag FPL matchups to it. The interestingly, I, I don't know if you guys play NFL fantasy. Um, so that that's how I got my fan I started my fantasy. And my favorite, my favorite show was um Greg Cosell's FP uh, NFL matchups, the NFL matchups show on ESPN. It was it was sick. He'd always like he'd like he'd like run down he'd like Ed Reed versus I don't know who, and it it was awesome. I was like, oh, you know. So I thought I'd try doing that for FPL. And then I got into like, you know, we we came up with, uh, I started writing about the zonal matchups years ago. Um, and that's a big thing now. It's a major thing in in the FPL community. So, um, so, so yeah, we Very have the cool. zonal matchups contribution. And then we have Net That Hall, which is a part of a trio that I'm involved with, uh, FPL Mariner and FPL Nima. 
Um, and that's our that's our FPL show. We have a, a preview show or a matchup show and then a review show now. The, the review show is new this year. And we do that show with at teacher underscore FPL. So um, that's a ton of fun. And we get we go deep. Um, so it's cool. I have to say your FPL matchups, you know, essential reading for me every single week, those zonal matchups. If anyone okay. has not checked them out, please do so, because especially for the eye test uh, managers, I think they're really essential. I, I love reading them. Thank you. And I love how you drew from NFL, where you have a cornerback versus a wide receiver, taking that parallel when we're looking at attacking wingers versus those fullbacks. Uh, maybe they're not as quick and good at defense, so they're prime for captaincies. Uh, it's it's really cool to see those parallels. Uh, I'm a big NFL fantasy player myself. I think I have eight teams this year, so Ooh. trying to keep all the fantasy uh, um, in line. My my wife probably could do for a few less of uh, less teams, but FBL is still number one for me in my heart. So not, good to see not less fantasy, year. just less teams, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, wow. Wow. You're going to fit right in with this podcast, Gabe. I can already tell. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Premier League team? Do you have a favorite player at the moment in the Premier League? Oh, wow. I think my bias against Premier League teams is equal, I guess, across the board. There's there's none, there's none that I'm biased towards. I guess there's some that I hate more than others. I, I would put it that way. Um, but no, like I, I'm a Real Madrid fan, um, at, like at the top level and then a St. Pauli fan at the lower level, I guess, second division is my St. Pauli. So, um, so no, I just, I just look at it as I don't even like, I, I watch the Premier League almost academically. I don't see it as a fan. I don't really cheer for anything unless like I'll cheer for good things that are happening. Like I'll cheer for, if that said to me is passing the ball around Man United, I want to cheer for that because that's 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 some good shit right there, you know. So, um, but and then as far as favorite player, I mean, now that Nkunku's in the league, I, I it would probably be Nkunku. I, I've loved that player for years. Been following him in the Bundesliga and PSG before that. So, oh um, man, it's gonna that's be that's uh, that hurts Bucks to his core. He's repping his Chelsea kit right now, and to not have him. When Chelsea keep putting up absolute stinkers, uh, man, he would be a quite the talented player to have on the pitch and actually maybe link up with Nico Jackson a little bit as well. Well, Brian and Gabe, I should let you know that uh, I did recently smash the confirm checkout button on a new Chelsea kit with that lad in Kunku on the back. So I'm very Ooh. happy to rep that for a future did episode. Did you go with the teal? Did you go with the teal? We're gonna we're gonna keep that a secret until uh, it's it's, it's a rival. A, a big reveal. Yeah, we got we got another jersey reveal also to showcase at some point soon. With uh, we finally heard back from last year's winner, Matthias got his most solid jersey and was proudly repping that on the streets of Norway as Holland was avoiding a mega haul. But I think that's a great transition. Thank you, Gabe, for joining us. We're gonna have tons of xxx rated content between black wolf and gabe before the end of this episode for sure but before then let's get into some x-rated scores with how the four of us did in game week five it's pretty brutal put the headphones on your kids hide your wives it's time to get into the score lines between us four lads starting with me at the top god help us 40 points and a big red arrow Fucking flying bucks. Absolutely <laughs> flying. First class up in the Yeesh. sky. That's just impressive. 40 points. I, I That's something I dream about. 40 points is a red? The nice sure healthy is. red. 
That's how bad we did, Dan. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's like if you just forgot about your team, you probably would have had 70 points. But if you're actively playing and pretty engaged in the FPL community, you're looking across the board. Where did these points go? Where are all these managers getting 70, 80 points? Uh, not the four of us. 40 points. I'm leading the line with a red arrow. Holland captain. Gusto with six. Saka and Saliba, the only four returners in my team. So, yeah, yeesh. It was an ugly showing. Let's go to you, Black Wolf. The fact I'm second with 35 points <laughs> just goes to show how terrible it's been. My only returners were Saliba and Saka. So I finished on 35. I'm not counting Haaland. Everyone owns him. Um, so yeah, not much more to say other than it's been absolutely terrible. Unless you owned Salah or Alvarez or a Newcastle defender, you pretty much had a shitty score this week. So that's me, 35 points. The less said about it, the better. What about you, Brian? I think you're the one we want to laugh at right now. <laughs> oh, baby, I am absolutely flying Nice 27-point total. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, luckily for me, I was actually away all weekend, so I did not watch any of the matches live. I was camping, and I was talking to uh, Bucks and Dan on Friday. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have service or not. I'm still like weighing up my hit, and I hit in Sun and Udogi this game week to attack the Chef U fixture and I took out Gabriel and I took out Foden so net net definitely a loss there uh Gabriel gets the clean sheet and then Udogi loses his so just absolutely pathetic cannot say anything else about it but it was definitely refreshing to not watch any of the games and just kind of like pop into my phone from time to time just when I had a little bit more service and I'm like yep this is a shit show. Let's, uh, I'm glad I'm not wasting six hours of my weekend and really being a sourpuss. So uh, silver linings. And now I think just thinking macro, like when we do have a bad game week, I have a transfer in mind, but I'm just going to take three or four days off, podcast with you guys, have a good time, but just not even think about it until Friday. And hopefully that'll give me some clarity and just a, a new perspective on game week six. But when I look at my team. I think it's pretty good. So, you know, I'm not that fussed. And like we've all been saying, it's a perfect week to have one of the worst weeks of the season uh, because a lot of other engaged managers are also kind of in the same boat. So, you know, we're all sinking together. All right. Pass the rock. Gabe, how'd you score in game week five? Yeah, speaking of sinking together, I'm like the the anchor at the bottom of the ocean, pulling everyone down with a score of uh, 25 here. <laughs> and oh, uh, baby, yeah. we got we got some fucking FPL experts on today. Legend. Two of the hosts, sub 20, <laughs> sub 30 points. Woo! This is I like mean, a little John song. It's 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 hard to out. score 25 Get points. So yeah, I don't know. My none of my players scored points. Um. I don't have any of the players that scored points, obviously, with a score of 25. Um, I've had 12 points first bench the past two game weeks in a row, so that's a combined 24 um, on my bench. And it's game weeks like these. I just tell myself that uh, FPL is just dumb, and I feel better about myself. I mean, you got so unlucky this week, too, because you had Martinelli, who got that goal, and then during his celebration, he got a hamstring injury, and then his goal got ruled out. You had like Isaac, who good didn't get lord minute in that game. It's just and, Madison and my and I and I was well. I I did get like the thing is I I don't feel like I can complain about anything when I didn't captain Holland and he misses five big chances. 
exactly. like, whatever happens, like I got, I got off lucky 25 points. I'm, I'm a lucky, I'm feel super lucky just because Holland didn't score any of those uh, big chances. So, so I really can't complain, but my, my moves last week, I was thinking about taking a hit of uh, Isak and, um, and like a Stupinian out for a, um, a Newcastle defender and Alvarez like the the fixtures didn't look right it didn't look like a smart idea um and it yeah it, it would have worked out but whatever pain. if you look at your team on paper it's fantastic team it's just one of those weeks but that's been it's been like that like i've i've looked at my team and i've told myself that for 5 weeks for <laughs> 5 game weeks i've said my team looks great i have no idea what my rank is but my team looks great <laughs> the the yeah, points it's, don't it's look one great. of those seasons though right i mean gabe it's like I think all of us are feel like I'm, I'll speak for myself. I feel like I had a decent start to the season. I've used a chip pretty silly in game week one with the bench boost, but I'm like around 1 million rank. I'm like 700 K let's say. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, I have two free transfers going into this coming game week, but I don't feel like my team is in a terrible place, but I also don't feel like, if I had to use the wild card this game week, I'd be too upset about it because, you know, I have like six or seven players that could easily be fussed out uh, without me thinking twice about it. So I just think this season, it's been so like hit and miss and the misses feel like they're coming in bunches and the hits feel like they're, you know, you're really winning. You're hitting the jackpot when you get like a double digit haul, uh, let alone you get any hauls in your team, right? Yeah, it's such a weird week as well with so many players blanking or doing jack shit that the targets for your watch lists are a little bit shakier than they normally would be. You know, some people are looking at Nico Jackson to Alvarez and other people are looking at Sala. But other than that, there's not like a huge amount of must bring in players after such a uh, soggy sorrows game week. So we'll see what the FPL community has for us in the questions section later. And we'll hopefully uh, uncover a few gems for game week six. Not to skip too far ahead. Let's mention the average point scored in the FPL game was 44 points. So four or four, we all missed that mark in game week five. Not great, but we should congratulate the top manager in our press play pod premiership free league. The code is F R A L E M. Again, it's a free league to enter and we will be sending a Premier League kit from this season to the winner, no matter where you are in the world, it's open to everyone. So get involved. There are 150 odd managers. We will close it in the next international break going into game week nine. So if you're not already signed up, no problem, get involved, get engaged. We'd love to have you. But this week's winner goes to Maruf Rafat. He tops the scoring in game week five with 64 points, notably Holland captain for 12. Bob Sanchez and Sala each get 10 points. Saka and Saliba add six. Wilson, Gordon, and Diaby each go for five points. So, yeah, just having a six in front of your score. Bravo to you, Maruf. Well done. And then let's jump into our update from Black Wolf to cover the FPL USA Leagues. Let's give the listeners a rundown of some of the top managers out there in the community as we start with the elite tier. Man, these are some impressive point totals. I am multiple game weeks behind these lads. Yeah, so this season, FPL USA Leagues, sponsored by DraftHound, your ultimate assistant manager, and we'll be giving premium subscriptions out for the league winners of each tier. 
And if you want to be one step ahead, you can sign up this season using the special code we have in our bio on X at FPL USA Leagues. Now, for Elite, our leader is still Eric Freeman, FPL underscore Eric on 325 points. And our manager of the week is Tiffany New, FPL underscore Firefly, who somehow got 54 points in this mess of a game week. Bravo. Yeah. In FPL USA Gold, we have Nihal Kokani, FPL Masala, who is on 316 points. And our manager of the week is FPL Theorist, who played his wild card and got 70 points this week. How he did that, I have no idea. He had Salah captain, Diaby, oh Alvarez, Ariola, Botman. He got points across the board. 70 points. Wow. Yeah. Um, in the silver tier, our leader is Usama Usman at UUSman27. He's on 323 points. Our manager of the week is Arvind Ganti, FPL underscore Ganti, on 54 points. And then finally, the bronze tier, we still have Amol C who is top of the league on 388 points, and he's 19th in the world still. So he's doing very, very well this season. And our manager of the week is Thomas Zamba, at Zamba underscore Thomas, on 74 points. So great job to all those managers this week. And you can find the full standings on X by following at FPL USA Leagues. And if you want to play, we still are open until game week 19. Just send me a DM and I'll get you added. Beautiful recap right there. Thank you, Black Wolf. We're going to take a quick break and come back and discuss some of the matches from the past weekend and dive into all things FPL with Mr. FPL Lens. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's talk about the action in game week five and some players that caught our eye, but didn't catch points in our FPL teams. Starting with the good. Let's talk about Manchester City and Liverpool, who each get another W. They both grab 3-1 wins in game week five. And notably, they are right at the top of the table. And neither of them have taken an L. They're both unbeaten so far in the Premier League this season. Let's talk about the citizens. They're top of the table, so they're top of mind. Gabe, you shouted out Holland. Feeling pretty lucky with him only getting six points in FPL, right? Oh, my God. Like, I, this game week was carnage, and we dodged a bullet. That's Or I dodged a bullet, at least. That's how, that's, that's how bad like it could have been, right? So, um, yeah, absolutely. he missed five big chances. I think it was like a record or something like that. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for um, Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League because like, like Holland's just going to take his wrath out on them i fear but um but yeah so super lucky on that front i captain madison myself unlucky to not get that pen but i i again i have no complaints on that i mean it was it was a pretty obvious pen but um i don't think spurs can complain about any referee calls against the uh, after like what happened against brighton last season so um so you know they'll they'll take it they got the w yeah and right he had an xg holland did of 2.2 which is massive and the fact is, I think you buried the lead a little bit, Gabe, because it wasn't like he was going against the Lutonians or Sheffield United. He was going against West Ham, who have looked to be a really stout and serious team this season thus far. And they have a really physical back line, let alone having Suchek and Paqueta in front of them. So he just bossed them. They looked like they were playing on easy. Some of the headers he was rising up for and 
he actually the goal he scored was wasn't one of the easier ones. He he really mm. he was n- like inches off a mega hall kind of game leak. Even that goal that Bernardo scored, he kind of just let it go in when any other striker would have stuck their foot out to steal the goal. He didn't do it. And I was like, God damn it, Harland. Come on. He could have easily got 20 points here. Easy. And we have to tip our hats to Areola, who is looking like a great season-long keeper to have in FPL, either as your backup or even starting some matches. He's getting a ton of save points. So anyone who possibly chose their goalkeeper situation two weeks before the season started and didn't know about Matt Turner, you're definitely up in the points category if you played Areola a couple of these matches because the rest of us are just in a minefield with these Johnstons and uh, Pickfords and Onanas, just a crapshoot. So congrats to anybody who's uh, been getting these Areola points because he's making the saves and he kept hollering out a few times that was pretty frustrating. Speaking of Ariel, let's also give some glow up to his teammate, James Ward-Prowse. He's one of the only players together with Julian Alvarez, Mo Salah, and Taiwo Awoni. Dan, let's give you a chance at revenge. You want to try and pronounce that on this week's pod? I've got it this week. Awoni. Oh, bravo. Love to see it. it. Woo, the crowd goes wild. I've been practicing. Dan, 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 Dan. (laughs) D-A-N. So the reason I shout those guys out is they are all yet to blank in FPL. They have a return in every single match they've played in. Notably, JWP has played one less match. But in the matches he's played, it looks like he is seeing all nails wherever it is. He's getting returns left, right, and center. He is fitting in great to life as a hammer. And he looks like a player that we should be considering. We should get our rose-colored blinders off from previous seasons when he's been with Southampton. He looks like a really good attacking option. Budget-friendly, too. This mofo had his first ever header, right? Like, I've never seen him even attempt a header in my life because he's usually at the halfway line, right? So it was incredible to see him score that goal and wipe the Manchester City cleans. But like you said, I think when the fixtures turn, he could be an easy budget way into your side. Could be your fifth attacker or seventh attacker, depending how you look at it. Uh, fifth midfielder, just a, a guy who has been a great signing. I mean, he was thirty million for West Ham, so just the That's kind a of glue guy that they really needed and take some pressure off of off of Bowen. And so when they have their fixture turn, you know, later in the season around our first wild card. Um, that we've been talking about here on the pod game week 10 or around there. He, he could be a, a player that makes your side, especially when you're going to need to fund Salah. You're going to have to have a few of those cheap mids like an Mbomo. Those guys are going to have to slide in next to Salah. The problem with James Wood-Prowse is he's not a sexy pick, is he? We're, we're all going for the typical goal scorers. We're all going for the players who are going to get that high ceiling. He's just ticking along nicely on 9.6.7.7 points. And I don't know. There's something about him that's just not sexy. And I, I'm pretty sure his ownership is going to stay low for the whole season. And we're Which is so funny because we like, goodbye to his points. He's one of the best free kick takers in the last 10 years, right? So like that in itself is very sexy. But the rest of his game, you're right. It's not a lot of open play, um, you know, brace potential. But good, good for him so far to start the season. Yeah, he's actually one of the FPL players that's much better for draft structure where you just kind of set and forget him as opposed to the traditional FPL game, because 
he often gets returns in tougher matches. It's just, he's one of those players that it comes when it in kind of unpredicted and unpredictable uh, situations. Enough about JWP. We gave him his glow up. Let's talk about Julian Alvarez because he's doing the business right now. He's the top ranked FPL striker at the moment, more so than Holland. He has more points than Holland so far. No, that's wrong. He's number one in the ICT for forward. So he's above Holland in that bizarre black box ranking that the FPL yeah. Towers likes to have. Fucks, what, what kind of fucking podcast are we running here talking about ICT? Well, don't ever quote that again on this pod. We're going to have to ban you. What do you think, Dan? We're, we're we should, banning uh, you, you're, you're banning people with 27 points? We should just have the mute button on, <laughs> on ready for this uh, this podcast, bro. You can't, be, you can't be using ICT ever. Gabe, Gabe is the one who dives into the numbers and the the analytics here. ICT trash. Say it. Gabe, I want, Gabe, I want you is to say it. it. <laughs> is it legal? Is it legal? Can we cite ICT or is that against the the coda? I I gotta be honest. I I prefer using my own metrics than like just get especially metrics from official like uh sources like um like official FPL. I I would want I want to use the least amount possible from official FPL. Gabe just called me a suit, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry for citing the official stats. Never will it happen again. Let's transition to talk about the king of FPL, the man from Egypt, Mo frickin' Salah. Brian, I think I you had him in your team like five minutes ago. Was that, uh, how many hits ago was that? That was uh, a couple of syringes ago, let me tell you. Oh, damn This is it. unfortunate. This is unfortunate for my FPL side because I started the season with him. I captained him in game week two, and then I took him out in game week four. And so that is a player that would have been helpful. I think I broke him into Foden and Nico Jackson. So once again, that's looking like a prime way to get into the FPL points and increase your rank. Sheesh. Tough start for me, but he looks like Mo Salah. I mean, he's he's definitely the one who's nailed, and I think that's the most important thing. We're seeing the rotation of all the other wingers and attackers there, and so it's impossible to go with any other player other than Salah in the attack. So if you're having wild carded, would highly recommend bringing him in. It's going to take two transfers at least, but I think there's definitely some ways to get to him if you want to get him in before your first wild card. If you have somebody like Bruno, you could break him down and upgrade, you know, another player. So there, there are ways to do it, but it's definitely a major surgery moment in your side. And you're going to have to have some bench fodder in the middle, which is not ideal when all of these midfielders are popping off. How urgent is Salah? Well, he's only got a few more years playing in the Premier League. So probably pretty urgent if you want to get him in for FPL. But if you want to get him in for Saudi Arabia... You could probably wait on the transfer. <laughs> I think I, I think c- come game week nine is when you're really going to want to have Liverpool assets in your team, at least Salah, because that's when they have Everton at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Luton away, Brentford at home. Not having oh, Salah for sploosh. that run is going to be Sploosh, look at those fixtures. Yeah. Does it start earlier, though, Dan? I mean, game week seven against Spurs? Yeah, I was going to say game week seven yeah. against Spurs. Why, why can't he have uh, two or three goal involvements in that one, the way that Spurs are playing right now? I mean, the fact is it's Salah. He's going to score against anyone. We saw him haul against Man City last season. It's Brighton you know, Brighton are an open team as well. Yeah. West, Ham, like are at, West Ham are at home. So you want him in this week is what I'm hearing. I, well, here's, <laughs> I, I've gone from 
thinking that I can cover Salah with uh, Luis Diaz and whomever. Um, I've gone from that to I see Salah growing a little bit in like he he kind of started the season with this kind of more creator role, more assists and stuff like that. <laughs> now he's 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 playing a little bit more central. He's around the goal more. He's got more shots. I kind of see him growing into this. And game week nine, it's when it's when the um, the FDR on the official site turns green, and and you can tell a lot of like ownership shifts because of the those green. Like once it's green, like Everton at home, I don't know that it's necessarily better than like West Ham at home. I was gonna say or, that's. I think that Spurs fixture is easier than Everton at home. The yeah. the Merseyside derby has historically been a tight and brutal fixture, especially mm -hmm. from some of those crushing tackles that you just see come in from crosstown rivals. Everton are so shit that it's hard to say that out loud and, and feel comfortable with it. But I think the way that the game is shaking out, Salah is the most essential player outside of Holland at this point in time. And the longer it takes for managers to come around to that reality, the further and farther you're going to fall behind in the ranks. And I think all four of us don't own Salah right now, and that's partially to blame for why we're all on red arrows. He's, he's continuously performing. He's expensive, but there are budget options around the game that are performing. So, I mean, we just saw one in the last match of the game week, Hudson O'Doy, who's now starting, potentially will be a regular starter for Forrest up top, 4.9 million. I think there's going to be a lot of managers who are going to seriously have to think about trading Rashford and Bruno to Sala and CHO. And that's a, that's a swap and you bench CHO most games, but now all of a sudden you have a serious captaincy option in Sala. If you want to fade Holland in the odd game week. Yeah. I, I think part of it also is because most managers, at least in the social media space are looking at game week nine, game week 10 for a world card. So they're kind of thinking that's the point where I'm going to bring Sala in, which means they don't have him for this next three or four fixtures. So if you are going to, you could even take a hit in this next week. I've seen a couple of managers debating that and get him in now. And then you have him for that West Ham, that Spurs game, that Brighton game. It's an opportunity for sure. Well, um, Buck mentioned burying the lead. I was, I was, that was my plan. Wild card around that time. It was the obvious fixture swings, all of, all of those reasons. But yeah, looking at those fixtures close more closely, I figured there was no reason to wait on that wild card, so I smashed it today. Oh, Ooh. baby! Wow! Breaking news. Love that. <laughs> haven't even, oh, I haven't even uh, told told the boys of the pod on, on my show yet. So, uh, so this is the first you hear it, I smashed it like literally, like I don't know, twenty minutes before the show. I was like, "Yeah, you were getting itchy fingers for sure. You were ready for a, a week full of FPL content. Love exactly. that. So now we're gonna be able to uh, discuss your." early wildcard thoughts uh, later in the <laughs> transfer and captaincy shout section. Love that. <laughs> well, I learned my lesson on captaincy. That's not going to change ever again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's go to the next section here. Just want to highlight a few other matches that caught our eye. Spurs and Arsenal, both London-based teams, pull out some victories. The Spurs one was very dramatic. Richarlison and his new neck tattoo – Gets a well-needed goal for his mental health. Kulu comes in at the 108, 110-minute mark for the game winner. 
pretty crazy for Spurs to have to require that kind of output versus Chef U, but they kind of bossed the game from the highlights that I saw. Um, and they're still attacking, shooting a lot. So I, I think, you know, as a son and Madison owner, currently I'm happy to own those guys moving forward. I think um, they're just going to continue it to attack and that's the way they play. Yeah. Spurs took 28 shots in this match. So as a no Spurs manager, uh, that is not a stat that you look at and you celebrate the mini victory in the here and the now, but just know that this team is going to score goals. They're going to score them in bunches and that this was more of a blip on the radar that Maddo and Sun and Udogi all blank. I think we're not going to be seeing a lot of that in upcoming matches. Just, just the play style. So uh, take the victory and run with it. And for Arsenal, yeah, Gabe, commiserations on that Martinelli. That that had to be the most brutal 10-minute swing of the weekend. Him to go from scoring the opening goal, celebrates. He looks like he hurts himself a little bit. Five minutes later, it's the goal's ruled off and he's coming off. And that's just, that's kind of the story of the season with some of these 50-50 calls at Arsenal right now for us FPL managers. And I even, I even wrote in uh, matchups, I put a little pregnant emoji next to Martinelli saying he's due. <laughs> he's, <laughs> I, I don't even want to say the word of whatever happened to him is, but like, I don't know. I'm at a point where like, when that happens in FPL, like, not not anything in real fo- real football, of course. Like you don't want the guy to get hurt, but when it happens in FPL, like that's just when life is so absurd. It's hilarious, and it, you, if you don't laugh, you will die. I it, like you get a heart attack or something. You gotta laugh. I mean, he he was five weeks overdue for a goal, and uh, to not get those points, especially when you had such a tough game week, that that hurts. That that so would have drove brutal. me crazy. Last team we want to give some shout out to is Brighton and the Deserbies are looking like they are going to be another exciting campaign at the Amex. Unbelievable. The fact that they rolled out a team under 20 million in transfer fees, went to United with that B team and rocked the living crap out of the Reds and the 10 hogs, man, they got smashed three, one. And that, that goal by United was such a consolation garbage time goal. Speaking of NFL, that was like a Justin Fields touchdown because he never scores them when the game matters. But the points count all the same. But United, hold that L in a big way. That's that's the story of this month, I think. United, what a mess. What a mess. But I was happy to own Rashford. He had how many shots in that game? Eight, ten shots, I think, on a different day. Maybe he blasts one of those in. So I'm happy to own him. Uh, what do you guys think on Bruno? I think that Bucks and Dan both own Bruno. Giving him the axe. It it might be time for him to go. It's time for us to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about the soggy sorrows in game week five. All right, let's transition to talking about some of the disappointments that we all faced in game week five, starting with the Chelsea Blues. Zero, zero, nil, nil. Zilch, zilch, man, what happened to our Chelsea assets bucks? Those who went on the triple up were greatly disappointed. Chilwell benched for this one, comes on for a clean yellow card. And Nico Jackson, yellow card. Did Sterling get one too? I think so. Yellow card, the trifecta of a shit show. 
or the Chelsea Blues. They can't score in front of goal. Time to rip them out. Probably. Let's let's actually ask our guest because he's mentioned he's just on wild card. Gabe, how many Chelsea assets will you be having in your new and improved FPL team in game week six? One fewer than I have now. So I'll have zero. Jealous. Jealous. I'm on I'm on the triple up and I watch them for heart, head, and soul. I, I love my Chelsea Blues, but they are nothing but pain this season. They're giving me a serious case of FOMO with the FPL Blues back in real action and real strong presence over my life this season. Ugh. And Jackson's on four yellow cards. So he's one away from a suspension. He has to be like one of the easiest transfers out. I've seen in a long time. The fact he's got four yellows in five games is just stupid. It's been so frustrating <laughs> to own him. And I'm an idiot manager because I'm probably going to keep him. We can talk about that later, but he's probably going to stay in my team for now. Easiest move for me as soon as uh, Julian Alvarez gets through Champions League tomorrow. He's coming in for, for Nico. I'm, I'm done with this, uh, this team until Chelsea gets in cuckoo back and a couple other creative forces. Fun, fun Chelsea fact for the non-fans out there. They had 12 big chances this season so far. They're they're actually, from the advanced stats perspective, one of the better attacking units from their style of play, their possession-based in the opponent third. 12 big chances, zero of them have gone in the back of the net. That's That's hard to do. I feel like you need to have a really, really talented team of 11-year-olds to achieve a stat of such a grandeur. Uh, this is just brutal to see in today's Premier League that you can't get the ball in the back of the net. That's enough talk about them. Let's keep it moving here. Who else was disappointing this week? Uh, any Anybody got the open mic here? Who else was just the utter... I, mean, I know, I know we, we went over United, but I have to shout out Eric Ten Hag again. Uh, Eric Tenfraud. Um, because this guy is a clown. Like, you go up against Brighton and you go with a narrow diamond in midfield, what to, to counteract the, the balls that go wide? <laughs> like, what the like, I, like, I get you have some injuries, but I mean, that, that was a tactical disaster class right there. And, and I agree, I think, um, like Rashford is strangely, uh, I, I think, a keep. Um, especially going up against Burnley next. But I think all other United assets are like massive fire sale, e- equal, like the same same as Chelsea, if anyone has any anyone else. Gabe, would you sell United or Chelsea players first, knowing that you only have one in your team right now? But if, if you had a bunch of each, which would be the first batch to go? I would probably... First, first one I would sell is Nico Jackson. That that was a mistake. He's he's always been never been a really good finisher. Uh, always been super raw. So it was it was a risk that didn't didn't pan out. Second player I would sell is Raheem Sterling, um, because I can't stand all the touches he makes. And then then I would sell Bruno. Um, wow, wow, Raheem ahead of Bruno. Yeah, it's Burnley. It's Burnley. United against Burnley. I prefer Rashford, but I prefer I prefer that to Raheem against almost anybody. The next three fixtures 
for both teams are actually pretty good from attacking perspective. So like Dan said, you might just have to hold one or two of those players and just roll them out um, and just hope that they're going to deliver some points. But uh, curious to see what uh, Dan is thinking with multiple assets here. Well, that Gabe's points there actually answer FPR Paz's question because he has the triple up of Chilwell, Sterling and Jackson. And it sounds like we want to get rid of them all. And Gabe gave a, a good order there. But just staying on Chilwell for a second, I didn't want to skip over a question from Thomas underscore FPL, who asked about, do you think his spot is under threat? Do you think he's going to start against Aston Villa? I personally think he comes back in. So I'm planning on keeping him for this game, even though I don't think they'll keep a clean sheet. He's not a great asset. I just think there's other fires that you can put out before taking out Chilwell, personally. So what are your thoughts on that? Don't make defender transfers, especially when teams aren't holding that many clean sheets it's just there's higher upside elsewhere and when you look at Chelsea's squad he's still one of their best 11 players so I I feel like you know you you, you just roll him out or you bench him but don't don't transfer him out wait until your first wild card because it's it's not really a, a priority from from my perspective unless you're bringing in a Newcastle defender I want to add that in because yeah perfect Newcastle perfect defense. point perfect point Dan I was I disagree with you Brian I think that Chilwell is the vice captain for a reason. He's coming back into the team. He's not going to be put on the bench by this fraud, Mikhailo Mudrik, who is just uh, a gym rat and not actually a true Premier League level player, unfortunately. So I think he'll be starting against Villa. It's a more serious contest where we'll need his defensive acumen. So I think he starts, but I agree with you, Dan. I don't see a clean sheet here. And I just think the move is to free up funds. He's not delivering as a semi-premium defender at this point. So I think for my team, it's an easy move to Sven Botman. And I'll talk about that further in the end segment of our podcast. But I think Chilwell is Chilwell and Jackson are much easier sells because at least Sterling is looking like the talisman, right? He's not in Kunku and he's not vintage Liverpool or vintage City Sterling, but he still has those goals and that outlay in him and you're seeing it in the game i mean a lot of the chelsea attacks are going through that right side a lot of their best attacks i should say are going through that right side so i would hold the faith with sterling for another match or two but yeah jackson and chill i think they're just taking up too much funds and there's performances from lesser budget players in the fpl game that are just so tempting and you're just missing those points so for me to answer thomas's question chill He's going to start, but he should be a priority transfer out. And for Paz's question, for me, I think the order is Jackson one, Chilwell two, Sterling should be a hold. So I would sell the first two. I'd probably hold Sterling. Let's take a look at the next section of the podcast and talk about game week six and some of the matches that we're expecting some hauls from. We want scores in the 60s, the 80s next week. And these are the matches to target. So, Bucks, start us off here. Forest at Manchester City. Now, we should caveat that City are going to be coming off Champions League competition. So, we're likely to see some rotation in this one. Fingers crossed we get a little bit of Holland rest in the midweek match against Belgrade, the Red Star Belgrade. They don't need the Norwegian robot for that. Give him some blow on the bench so he can be a popular captaincy option for game week six for us, FPL addicts. That's that's what I'm hoping. I think either way, they get 
easy wins in both those matches. So uh, I'm hopeful that Holland, Alvarez, maybe even Foden can all get some burn on the bench. Next up, we got some tasty fixtures elsewhere. Let's let's turn our sights to Everton at Brentford. We got a score prediction for Forest at City or Everton at Brentford. When we're looking at City, I think all eyes are on their fixture pile up coming up here. So I'm happy to have one or two of their players, but going with a trifecta is going to be painful, I feel like. So just keep an eye out for when to make your transfers, when we get team news after the the uh, Champions League matches. So just, just keep an eye there. I think that's the season that we're coming into and where the X-Mins are going to be a lot lower for a lot of these players. So that was one reason why I ripped out Foden from my squad last week. He was obviously playing deeper as well compared to Son, who I brought in. But that's just something I think macro level, we want to make sure that our listeners kind of wait until Friday, if you can, to make your transfers, because there will be injuries against these random teams in the uh, Champions League. And then soon we'll have European action just all over the place and all over the world. So I uh, wanted to call that out. But and I hate being NFL. a kind of manager, but the Man City Nottingham Forest game is actually the first fixture. It's a 7 a.m. fixture MPT on Saturday. So there might be a chance we get early team news there. Because for someone like me who owns Foden, if I find out he's not starting, he's an easy transfer out to Mbumo for me. And then I might be tempted to bring in Alvarez for the Man City cover. Because I don't want to go into this game against Nottingham Forest without at least two assets from Man City in the attacking spots. Oh, so there's, no, there's, there's no 4.30 game on, huh? No, not this week. That's right. That's right. Um, I I hate waiting for team news. I, I, it's just stressful and it's frantic. And I, it never makes me feel good when, when the deadline hits. I always just feel bad. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, feel like a bad day. So, um, so I'm probably not going to go there. Like um, in this fixture, I don't know. I think we are seeing a little bit of a different forest this season. I, I say I want to use scores again. I'm just going to give it to him every single week. I'm going to predict a goal for this guy. Um, and 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 I think, you know, Man City will likely have Grealish back. You know, I, I doubt he'll play. I think they play tomorrow. Or, anyway, they, they play midweek in, in Champions League. So they won't have Grealish for that. But the, he so he should be back for the weekend. Um, I, I could see City just winning a comfortable 3-1 where it never gets really gets gets too close here. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously it's 3-1 because A1E is going to be banging in a goal or contributing sure. an assist. So that that would that'll wipe the uh the defenders clean sheets away for City. <laughs> for sure. I'm excited actually for the Brighton Bournemouth fixture. Sure. I just think Bournemouth could, at Brighton. At Brighton. That could be like just really open. Um so, so I, I think there are, there are some returns there, which is interesting because we're not really talking about Brighton right now. And, and even me, my, my wildcard thoughts, I don't have Brighton very much in my wildcard thoughts. Um, I think the problem there is that there's, there's just so much rotation in that team, especially now that they have Europe. But we saw Estupinian just got benched and didn't play a single minute. We have no idea who's going to start, who's going to play. Because I think if we had a nailed 11, we'd all have... At least two Brighton assets in a squad. Yeah, I mean, Fergie gets the hat trick, then he picks up a knock. So you see Welbeck come in, Welbeck scores. Then later on, Ferguson comes on, Joe Pedro off the 
um, you know, recent string of benchings he scores in that game. So it's, it's very hard to predict. I, I wish there was an injury or two perhaps uh, in that side <laughs> to nail down one of their attackers other than Matoma, because I think they're going to come into our thoughts again. But a first time European bout for for that team is going to spell a lot of rotation under RDZ. And he's he's got the squad to and he's got the confidence in his B team to play him whenever the fuck he wants. So it's it's definitely tough for us. All his rotations work. Every time he tries something, it works. Like, what is it with this guy? It's amazing. Yeah, he's so, like the so opposite annoying. of Ten Hag. He's the opposite of ETH for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should, speaking of Manchester United, they have what appears to be a cupcake fixture on paper. They travel to face off at Burnley. Both teams not really in great form to start the season, but Manchester United should have more quality to get the W there. And also, we have Newcastle traveling to Sheffield United. So big theme in game week six of top teams that are playing in Europe facing off against much lesser and lighter opponents in the Premier League. So the question will be kind of how much emphasis they put on midweek fixtures abroad versus kind of playing in the home competitions on the weekend. So that remains to be seen. And that's also why we should mention that really pragmatic to hold transfers. So Gabe's going to tease some of the players that are making his initial wildcard draft in a second. But again, because Gabe's on wildcard, he has the freedom and the ability to tinker. But I think the kind of key wisdom for most members of the hashtag FPL community is to wait as long as possible to make sure that any rash transfer you're thinking of, the player you bring in isn't then going to get injured in some of these upcoming crucial matches. So Let's let's dive into the community questions and our watch list. Let's pivot to you, Gabe. Tell us who's on your wild card watch list at the moment. All right, I can just should I just go through kind of like from back to front what I'm thinking. So what well, the first dilemma? Let's start at the, at the very back, and it's that goalkeeper. Um, and Flecken, I think, has proven to be the best four point five million goalkeeper. But now Raya has stepped in. He's four point eight. Uh, Flecken has the better fixtures, but Raya has the passing, the bonus, the the arsenal. Um, so it's that's that's going to be a tough decision. Ariola obviously occupies the second spot, as as Brian was mentioning earlier. Um, so Raya versus Flecken is the first kind of battle there. Um, more pertinent to I think what FPL managers are facing this week. Backline. Um, I mean. I mean I, I have Udogi. I, I had him from the beginning of the season. I'll probably keep him for most of the season. I think he's he's one of the best, maybe the best four or five. Um, and then and I and I have a 4.0, you know, whatever 4.0 you have. Um, I think they're basically all the same. I have I have Kabore. Um, but then, you know, so I'm switching out Chilwell and Saliba for the double Newcastle defense of Cher and Botman. And I gotta be honest, I considered Burn and Bot and Botman. If I'm going for defenders that probably probably won't get attacking returns I might as well save some money so that's a consideration if I go burn and Botman versus Sharon Botman but share does have assist potential so that extra 0.5 uh could be worth it there the last my last defender that I'm looking at is this is who I would like is Alex Moreno um he's healthy he was on the bench this past weekend I think once once he gets into that villa lineup right now all the conversation is about cash uh, rightly so, because he's the one getting forward. But I think it'll flip once Moreno comes in and they'll attack more from that left side. Great shout. I actually wanted to make sure we shouted Alex Moreno out. He's 
very close to coming back into the starting 11 and to be fully fit. He's the most attacking wing back option at Villa. And I think he's going to be fit right as the Villa fixtures start to get really tasty. So I love that you shouted that out, Gabe. And I think he should earn a spot as kind of a forward facing option. If you have double Newcastle, you probably can easily fit uh, kind of three at the back with those two and the upcoming fixtures. So uh, I like what you're doing here. You're, you're cooking. Let's go to the midfield. So, yeah, and, and you'll see there's a lot of them. One of the reasons why I did decide to wildcard this game week was, you know, my plan was a game week in the future, but I know some things now. And I think the fixtures from now until game week nine or 10, like we were talking about earlier, aren't too terrible. Um, so you'll see a lot of these picks are forward thinking picks, picks that a lot of people will be looking to bring in in game week nine and game week 10. But one of the ideas of the wild card is to get a jump on all of them. So, so you'll see some of the forward thinking picks. One of those is uh, Diaby. Uh, Musa Diaby's in the in the squad. I so I have a, a this trio I find interesting: Diaby, Mbumo, and Ward Prowse. I have the three of them in 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 my wild card thinking right now. Mbomo interesting. Support, interesting. Yeah, I, I think though they're just like like that that six million range that we call not sexy. I kind of disagree. I think Ward Prowse is sexy now. The guy's doing diving headers against the league champions. He's scoring free kicks, corners. Like he's on set pieces. I think Ward Prowse might be a little bit sexy, and I'm kind of excited to have him in my team. I'm excited. He's a glue guy. He's a glue guy, but uh, he's got some appeal. Gabe, is he not in the perfect team? I mean, you do the zonal exercise every week. I mean, the fact that he's surrounded by all those monsters at West Ham, I didn't even shout out Aguerd, and he's like six foot five. He could be center on our pickup basketball team any day of the week. I mean, they just have so many towers in that squad, and they're so physical. I mean, I just feel like he is tailor-made to be on that team, and I agree with you. I I think it's a sexy pick. I'm trying to figure out who's going out for me to fit him in in a couple game weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's – that's kind of like the theme of the season as well. It's like, who do we sell for the players that we want? And I think we've been struggling with that decision all season. Um, so that's the Mbomo is kind of like a short term. Mbomo will likely turn into, well, the player I really want is Luis Diaz. I just, I, I think he he brings this kind of like balance to a Liverpool where, where they create from the right. And then Luis Diaz is chaos from the left. And that's been more productive. But um, but I don't know. I, th- I think I have time to sell. I'll, I'll wait and see. Uh, I can own Mbomo for a few weeks, and then I think Madison is a, is a, again one maybe one one of the best mids in in the game. Uh, potentially season long keeper as well. And then I have Salah as my fifth midfielder. Um, my front three. I mean, the uh, the the robot and baby robot. Uh, so Holland and Alvarez nailed. I mean it, that was. It, I wanted to get out of it as game week two, and I didn't because I thought I'd be patient because you're supposed to be patient in FPL. Uh, big mistake that time. Um, so I have, I, I'll definitely have Alvarez. And then I was able to afford um, Edward as my third forward. So it, it leaves me with a pretty strong bench. I can rotate like Diaby, Ward, Prowse, Edward kind of thing. Um, and, I th- and I think it sets me up nicely for... If some an opportunity would were to come up for a bench boost, I would be set up for that. Um, but I, I think I can go into the kind of fixture crunch or like just like the difficult time with Europe and then the fixture crunch with a decent bench and a solid rotation. Those are my early thoughts. 
First of all, I really love that wild card. There's a lot of picks there that I would pick also. Diaby. Differentials, differentials. That's what we like to see on the pod. Diaby is one of my favorite assets in the game, and I can't wait to get him in. I do have a question. Um, we have a double game week coming up with Luton and Burnley. Are you just swerving that completely? I assume so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have Kabore. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know if he'll make the starting 11. That yeah, I don't, I don't either. So. No. Yeah, no, no interest in that in that double game week. I, I actually think it is a distraction. Yeah, Dan, sell them on the snake oil. You were uh, you were preaching the virtues of double game week seven to our listeners last podcast. Has your team I changed? <laughs> I wasn't preaching it. I was saying that Morris is a potential option for that third forward spot. However, I've he kind is. of changed my mind. <laughs> but he's, I don't, he's I don't, if you I don't like what this card, cold medicine is doing to you, Dan. Come on, get <laughs> get in your bag. If you're someone who is using free transfers and possibly wildcarding in eight or nine, mm-hmm. I think he's an option for like a one-week punt in that double game week. He gets one penalty and one assist or something like that, which is definitely possible against that teams. He's on double digits. So, you know, it's a shout. So uh, I'm going to give you like a um, – with with that thinking in mind, Dan, um, FPL teacher, he, he shouted, he said that for that game week, and we haven't gone through the analysis yet, but he's kind of hinting that the player to get is not going to be Morris, but Adebayo, four point nine million. Ooh. Hard pass. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, listen, well, we're ta- we're talking about the double game week, so we should just mention one of the soggy sorrows in double game week in game week five was that Lyle Foster, potential double game week forward for Burnley, gets a straight red card, so he's now off the menu. So it's good that FPL teacher is finding some other deep dive options at the bottom of the hot pot because we just lost a potential valuable one. And he he had a goal chopped off for being marginally offsides and he had a goal and assist earlier this season. So as opposed to the Lutonians, it was actually a handball from Burge that they gave. It was just it just hit his like muscle and they gave a handball for that. that So stupid. Brutal. So when we look at these double game weekers who are not on the radar for the current wild card, I think if you are going to wild card, for instance, in game week eight or nine or a little bit later, maybe you take a punt then knowing that you're not going to have to waste another transfer to then move Morris on. I think that's the only scenario in which I would bring one of these bottom feeders in. Otherwise, the upside is just not worth spending essentially four points to bring them in and four points to take them out. Like it's those transfers are very valuable. So unless you're on wild card um, shortly after the double game week, I, I would not bring those players in because we haven't seen enough out of them for sure. Gabe, how about Awoni? We shouted him out earlier in the rundown and you mentioned that you are personally predicting that he's going to score against the league champions and the, the citizens on the weekend. So you're not you don't have enough conviction to have him in your wildcard team? I don't have enough funds if I want if I want some flexibility in midfield when the fixture uh swings do hit. So like around game week eight, game week nine, game week ten. I, I want some funds to play with. I, I would I would love Awanee over over Edward for sure. Um but to link that back to Morris, I much prefer Edward over over Morris. Even you know, Edward in game week seven has well, United away, so not terrible. I agree with that chat. And they're both the same price at $5.5 million, which is absurd uh, because we should note that Edward has the same XG as Nicholas Jackson, 
but he has three times as many points as he does. He's on 33 points versus 11 points for the Chelsea striker, and they both have an XG of 3.1. So that is a notable difference in actual real-life output versus uh, Dreamy Analytics FC. So my only critique of your wild card is, is the midfield. And just taking a look at the price points, I know you like those 6 to 6.5 million pound players, but you don't leave yourself a lot of room to get to Rashford, Sun, any of those guys who are 8 to 9 million pounds. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts there, because if you spread the funds around to that third striker and you do this rotation, it, it could be leaving you in a scenario where you're going to have to do some major surgery just to get in a guy in that bracket. So just wanted to get your, your thoughts there. No, that's a great point, Brian. And actually that's, that that's like the draft I was looking at right now, but Ra- Rashford would be in for Ward Prowse for now because I want Rashford against Burnley, but Rashford is about to go down in price. Um, and once he goes down in price, then I, then that'll give me, I need that 0.1 million to kind of make the rest of the, the thinking work. So I, I think I probably won't start with Ward uh, Prowse. I'll probably go Diaby, Mbomo, and Rashford, Madison, and Salah, and then sell Mbomo to either Ward Prowse or Luis Diaz. Yeah, I think West Ham has a great run from game week ten, so okay. you can get to them later. I just like the opportunity of having like a, the Saka or Bruno or Rashford slot where you can then you know downgrade in one move and mm-hmm. fix that. Um, that. That's my only critique there, because I think yeah. as soon as you go spreading the funds really a little bit more across your front line as well, it's going to take two or three transfers and a lot more planning. So just mm-hmm. wanted to point that out. Good shout. Thanks for sharing your potential wildcard draft, Gabe. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll dive deep into some amazing community questions. Thank you very much to the FPL community for sending in your questions. We appreciate your love on social. And now we get to discuss the questions on the pod. And that's where the best banter comes from. So a few wildcard questions here. Obviously, we have Gabe, who is on wildcard. But Bangla underscore FPL asks, why should we not wildcard after a bad game week? So I think, again, we want to, you know, my 10, two pence here is that you want to kind of remove yourself from a bad game week oftentimes, unless you have a ton of major changes you really want to make because players blank, like you're going to have game weeks where some of your assets deliver big points and other times they blank, but when they all blank at once, it sends managers into a tailspin. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think? You think it's uh, obviously Gabe's pulled it, but thinking about our wild cards, Bucks and, and Black Wolf. I'm kind of looking at eight, nine, ten, but I'm not committed to, any of those spots i'm i'm not gonna i'm not saying you're knee-jerking gabe whatsoever you've given some good reasons but it's very easy for me to knee-jerk into a world card after a very difficult game week but looking at my team i think i can hold it off for a few more weeks and then just do it when it feels right i'm kind of against the whole you have to do it on this game week because it's a fixture swing or this particular game week i think just do it when it feels right and so i'm, I'm kind of leaning towards eight even though it's before an international break i understand the risks there but for my team in particular i think there's a nice set of fixture swings there to jump on and chef man 7979 also asks you know how many players in your side would you have to remove in order to 
use the wildcard chip and activate it. So, you know, what are your thoughts there, um, crew? I think if you have to take too many hits to get to the team you want, then it's possibly a wildcard potentially. If you can get there with some free transfers and the odd minus four, I don't personally think it's worth wildcarding. That's my two cents. I'd go a step further. As many managers know, I like to be a little bucks wild and a little rogue. I think if you can't get the dream team that you want with two free transfers and a minus 12, you should wildcard. So I would even say that if you can make five free transfers and get your dream team in, if you haven't taken hits thus far, you're going to be right in line with our fellow host, Brian Chin, who's taken multiple hits so far this season. So it's not too many too soon. It's just, I I agree with Gabe a little bit. It's all about vibes this far into the season. You just want to keep playing and keep having fun playing FPL. And if you're at rank 4 million and you're taking it super seriously and you're not having fun, then wild card. Let's, let's, let's have a good time. Let's get some green arrows going, but there's no guarantee of that. It's just such a random season thus far. So I think it's all vibes. And I should say that David at Chefman seven nine seven nine, I looked at your team. You don't need the wild card, man. You got you got a perfectly deep, <laughs> good team. We all had shit game weeks, and you know we just keep it moving. I said it in an earlier pod too. I really feel like this season there's no obvious place to do a wild card. I think there's so many good assets everywhere. There's so many random scores everywhere. There's no obvious template that's doing well. So just do it when it feels right. But that, that's why I think like the, the thinking of that kind of thinking is like of how many players to get to my te- dream team does it take before I wildcard? I think the thinking is wrong because I could wildcard this week and look at my dream team for next week. And I'll be like, I changed seven players. <laughs> you know, you can always feel like the dream is beyond you, but it's, it's not. Um, so I, and I agree with you, Dan, 100 percent. A wildcard is a felt sense. Right? You, you feel it in your body. You're like. I uh, either it's an opportunity or like in my case, it was an opportunity. I saw an opportunity like I want to go for it. It didn't feel like a negative thing, but sometimes it's like my team is a disaster, like Mariner wildcarded in like game week two or something like that. And it was a good thing he did. It helped him out. So because because it was a disaster. So he was fixing a crisis. But you'll feel it, I think. Just listen to your body, I guess. And I like that you are planning ahead with your wildcard, right? Like a lot of times you actually don't get a big green arrow on the game week that you wildcard, but you're setting yourself up for maybe successive smaller greens that really climb you up the rankings. And so looking at players like a Diaby now, even though they face a quote unquote tough fixture um, versus Chelsea, you know, that's a good get in this week when a lot of managers won't have them. And then it sets you up for their great fixture run when they're going to have Brighton, Wolves, West Ham, Luton. So that's something you want to think about as well, just looking ahead and where other managers are going to use their transfers. You're already set up to do so. And then you can use your transfers to either get forward even more or address injuries. Yeah. And I want to give Gabe credit because he actually already addressed a question from at FPL Barrister, aka Jeremy. He wants to know what to do with the United midfield double up. He has Rashford and Bruno. He wants to know, give them one more chance or wild card them out. And he's also saying if he wildcards is backing the Newcastle double defense necessary or overkill. And Gabe, I think you're on wildcard. So just preach one more time what you're doing. Yeah. So I, I think um, in the coming game weeks, uh, Newcastle defense will be highly owned. At least one Newcastle defense, right? So, so the double up is where the opportunity is. 
if you're on wildcard, like look for those little ways to mitigate risk. So you're not going against the template, right? You still own the highly owned players, but you still get opportunities from that situation by maybe doubling up like that. So yeah, let's take a foot. I hate doubling up on defense. It leads I to love it. painful I love moments. It. But, uh, you know, Be they've bold. only picked up their third clean sheet in 22 matches. So it seems like a little bit knee-jerky maybe to double up. But on wildcard, you can go for it. They have the stats and they have the fixture run. So uh, I am a little bit worried about how they're going to handle Champions League because they're in a group of death. And I think that's something you really want to pay attention to, especially if you're considering somebody like Trips who's 6'5 and very much a premium. So when you're going with Botman and Char, you know, that that's okay if some one of them gets benched, you know, you'll you'll be able to rotate that in. But um, I think when you're looking at trips, that really could be problematic if he's going to be rotating for uh, Premier League and Champions League. Next up, we have a question from at my Cayman fan, a.k.a. Matt. He wants to know, is the priority transfer to bring in Julian Alvarez or a Newcastle defender? This one's easy for me. Always go with the higher upside pick, uh, especially if we see some rest from Alvarez midweek during Champions League. I always go for the attacker, especially if you're moving on a crappy forward like a Nico Jackson. That one would be my priority and then address your defense later. Unless you're going to go for somebody like Trips, who has, again, probably that higher ceiling, but it's not going to be as high as Alvarez's based on what we've seen this year. I disagree. I am actually think the opposite. Oh, you're going for the floor. Drop it low to the floor. Get those six <laughs> points. Okay, well, Dan. For me, okay. For me, it's more about if if Newcastle keep that clean sheet and I don't have a single Newcastle asset, that's going to destroy my game week. So for me, it's more of the protection against that Newcastle ownership. I'm, I know I'm a boring manager, but that's just how I feel. Wait, I agree with you, Dan. So don't say what? it's boring. I think <laughs> I just think that the Newcastle defense is more of a long-term pick and i actually think that many managers are going to have fomo which gabe has already broken through he already has a double newcastle defense so i think many managers are going to figure out transfer moves to try and get at least one let alone two and i think if i was wild carding this is just the rogue in me peeking itself out i would want triple Newcastle defense. I would want Pope as my starting keeper, Gabe. That's just a kind of free bucks, two cents for you right there. Uh, Terrible advice. You, you, you didn't ask for it, but I'm giving it anyway. So I think Brian, that, Brian New, loves that yeah, Newcastle defense for the next five to six game weeks is going to be pretty reliable and pretty jammy, I think. And I think with City now playing the additional competitions, Foden, Alvarez, maybe even the odd defender, we're going to see rotation and that's going to be frustrating as hell. So I just think that Newcastle probably more nailed than the city squad at the moment. That leads to another question we have from Alex Grun, who is asking about Foden and what to do with him. He's coming off of a few subpar performances subbed at I think 67 minutes this game week. So when you compare him to Alvarez, it really looks like Alvarez is, is the number two. So what would you do with him if you owned that player? Surely Foden can't be a priority, right? If if Foden is a priority, then you're probably, what's that guy's name? That's like in the bronze, that's like number 19 in the world. That's destroying all the other divisions. You're probably him if, if Foden is your worst player. Yeah. Shout out Amal C just uh, running circles around the rest of us. That's right. 
Dan, we both have Foden, so this is uh, real life shit for us too. What's uh, what's your thinking with him? Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping him. I think I think he has a hole in him somewhere. I, I keep the faith in Foden every single game week. Um, unless I hear that he's benched in early team news, which I know I said I hate waiting for, but if I hear he's benched, then he probably gets moved out for Mbwemo instead of a different midfielder. But otherwise, he's definitely staying. I think that Nottingham Forest matchup is is good for him personally. Yeah, I'm in a sticky situation with City right now because I also have a Kanji as well as Foden and Holland. So I'm on the non-optimal triple up at the moment. And it's just hard for me to figure out a way to get Alvarez in easily without taking a hit, at least one hit, let's say. So that's just, maybe that's... Maybe that's contributing to my preference for the Newcastle defense, but uh, it's hard to argue against the results that kind of mini robot is putting on for City right now. And I think Alvarez, maybe behind Sala, is is one of the kind of priority transfers in the next couple game weeks. Okay, we have another question for Dan to attack because somebody actually asked about Wolves. So at Thomas underscore FPL. Are there any Wolves players worth transferring in for their matchup versus Luton? Wow, your time to shine. Take off the hat. Let's see that bald head of yours, Dan. It's time to shine, baby. What do you got? Disco Dan. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, The only one I would ever consider is Pedro Neto, and that's if I have Salah. So if I'm bringing in Salah and I'm looking to downgrade elsewhere, then I think that Luton matchup is a great matchup for Pedro Neto. However, any Wolves, any Wolves player is sh- super short-term. I'm not looking to keep them for a long time. Not only are they quite poor at scoring, but if you look at their fixtures, they're terrible. They have a good fixture, a bad fixture, a good fixture, a bad fixture, and it just gets repeated the whole season. So there is no obvious long list of good fixtures to jump on a Wolves player. So if you're someone that's looking to get Salah, like I said, or maybe someone who's wildcarding in the next couple of game weeks, I would look to bring in Pedro Neto. But he's not high on my list, to be honest, especially because their next game after Luton is Man City. Yikes. Yeah. Power to you, Dan, for keeping the faith game week and game week out with your team. We always uh, want Wolves to do well, but I mean, quite frankly... As Chelsea supporters, we're not doing much better. So we can't we can't hate on you as much as we'd like to, right, Bucks? That first half, Wolves in the last game, they looked amazing. They that was some of the best football I've seen this entire weekend. But then they just fell apart in the second half. And it's a continuous problem with us. We play really good in the first half. The second half, Gary O'Neill makes some strange tactical changes or our players get tired and we just fall apart. If we what played is... consistently like we did that first half, we'd be honestly would be a top ten team. I really believe that. I I agree. I I, I thought you guys played well against United as well. I, uh, I think you guys have have shown some really nice things this this season. So I get I get where you're getting the hope. I, I'm wondering when does like if Pedro Neto he's finally on the left, so he's finally swinging those balls in there. When does Kalajic come in? I want to see Sasha. I want to see big Sasha. Yeah, the problem with Wolves is we have Mateus Cunha. Now, he's an amazing player, a such a good player, but he's a problem in the lineup because you kind of have to play him. But where do you play him? The only obvious place that Gary O'Neill can fit him in is up front. But obviously, I think Sasa Kalajic is a better option there. But then where do you put Cunha? Especially now we've just brought in Belagard, who is a, 
amazing. He he shows signs of being such an incredible player. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the problem is Cunha, to be honest. He, he's kind of undroppable because of how good he is, but there's nowhere to fit him in, tactically. And, and he can't score. And he can't score. <laughs> yeah, if, if Dan, if he didn't go for that cross with his boner and just put any other part of his body... <laughs> in line with the ball you would have been two zero up on liverpool that would have been the best moment for any of the teams we support all season by a long shot so i i just feel a little bit for your team because that united decision that was that was brutal that should have been a draw and uh this one the three one scoreline is very flattering to liverpool because like you said and like gabe echoed wolves were were they were miles away from Liverpool in that first half. I mean, it really should have been 2-0, and that that just produces a whole different game script and probably a different result if you play that back. And just one last thing about Wolves is we need to stop looking at them as a defensive team and not an attacking team. They're actually the opposite these days. They're very attacking. They get so many chances. I do feel like they're going to score in a lot of games, but their defense right now is shit. They're going to concede a lot of goals. That Kilman and Dawson partnership is not working. All right, so we addressed the Wolves question. Let's wrap it up with our final segment, which is transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Let's start with you, Gabe. You're on wildcard, so who's going to be your captain in game week six? My captain will likely be Holland for the rest of the season. I learned my lesson the easy way in game week five, so so I'm, I'm done. I'm, captaincy's out of the game for me. Luckily, you're going to have a lot of differentials across the rest of your team to make up points in the margin and gain rank. So I think it's safe to say we're all on Holland cap this week. Let's talk about transfer plans, because I believe Bucks and Dan both have two free transfers. Yeah, Brian, why don't you just tell the listeners what you're going to do? You have one free transfer, no money in the bank, and you're recovering from back to back points hits. So are you going back to the hits don't lie or are you gonna show some pragmatism going into game week six oh i'm definitely using a transfer that's for sure i'm taking nico jackson out julian alvarez is coming in for him i'm very excited about that move the rest of the team is very deep i'm going to be able to rotate some defenders a bit and hopefully gain a green arrow for the first time in three weeks so that's me Okay, let's go to the more interesting managers of Bucks and Dan with their two free transfers. Are you going to use both of them? Are you considering even taking a hit and doing a mini wild card for a minus four? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my two free transfers most like most likely. I have 1.2 million in the bank. I don't own Mbuma, which is terrifying for his next two fixtures, especially with his ownership. So I'm very likely to use one of them to bring him in. And it's probably going to be Bruno Fernandes that comes out, even though he's got good fixtures. I just, I hate watching Manchester United. And for me, I've got to have fun while I'm playing FPL. And I just don't have fun watching Manchester United. So he's probably going to come out for me. Unless I hear that Foden is benched, and then it would be him to Mbuma. And then for the second transfer, it honestly could be used anywhere. Right now, I'm leaning towards someone like Saliba to a Newcastle defender. Or possibly Nico Jackson to Alvarez but I'm kind of leaning more towards the Newcastle defender um, option because of what it gives me next week. So I'm looking at two to three game weeks here. And your captain, Dan, is is going to be Holland? Easy Always. peasy? The robots, easy. All right, I guess I'm last up in the queue. I have two free transfers and 0.2 million in the bank. 
Like Dan, I'm also definitely going to use both of my free transfers. And I am weighing up a minus four. I will only be taking a minus four hit if it brings Julian Alvarez into the team. And I can't predict that before the Champions League match, which is happening Tuesday, tomorrow, when our podcast will drop. So right now, if I take a hit, I am going to go Foden, Jackson, and Chilwell all out. I will be bringing in Botman, Diaby, and Julian Alvarez. It'll end up giving me some funds to play with next game week. So that's basically me putting a line in the sand for Bruno Fernandez saying put up or shut up. Because if he doesn't put up, he's shutting the fuck out of my team real quick going into game week seven. So I know I was yes. just giving him praise. I was giving him praise saying he's the best number 10 in the world, only for him to put on a true stinker of a performance. Blame Ten Hag because he played him in a terrible position. I, I yeah, no that. right winger. Yeah, awful. That was right. that was shit. But they I think just my... played Pelestri and then played Bruno in the 10 role. It was the obvious move and they, they didn't do it. I'm into that. I totally agree. What I'm really weighing up, and I think this is going to be my actual move, is just moving off some of my Chelsea guys. I'll go Nico Jackson to Callum Wilson, and I'm going to go Joel to Botman. Gives me really nice funds, and I really like the Callum Wilson differential pick at this point in the season. It's been good to me in the past, and I just think that he is really performing at an elite level for Newcastle, and they are performing at a more elite level when he starts at the number nine. So I really like that. It's a little different, and also I can root for a guy who's been good to me in the past. So that's my move, Holland captain. There's no way you bring in Callum Wilson. I'll put that at a 1% chance that he comes into your side. <laughs> that's not happening. So it's a bunch of uh, false advertising from Bucks right there. What what, what say you there? Uh... <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when we when we set teams. There's no way you're bringing him in. All right. All right. No that's that's a Not bold happening. shout. Bold shout from the bottom of the totem. Pole, I mean, I just don't want you to waste. Uh, I don't want you to waste the listeners uh, time. You know, they've already listened <laughs> to us for an hour and a half. So uh, it's gone a couple minutes too long there, Bucks. No, never, never. All my, all my words are wisdom. Let's close this podcast out. Let's give some kudos and plaudits to our guest at FPL Lens. Gabe, tell the listeners where they can find you. Again, give a shout out to all the work you're doing within the amazing FPL community. Yeah, at FPL Lens on Twitter, or uh, X now, um, hashtag FPL matchups, or that's for my that my threads that I write every week, hashtag FPL philosophy. That's something that I've been doing for about, for several years now that, uh, that's part of my game week prep, I have to say, is is doing the philosophy. So that's another thing to look out for. And then our, our show on YouTube and all the pod platforms, it's Net That Hall. Awesome. Love it. Thank you very much for tuning into this Game Week 6 preview. Big shout out to you at FPL Lens for joining us. You're a great co-host. We appreciate you joining the pod. Now, Game Week 6 is coming fast and furious, so make sure to pay attention to the Champions League results and the rotation that might set it in, and we'll see you next week for our Game Week 7 preview. Good luck. Green arrows only. Let's go.